Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Jay, how are you, brother? Yeah, living the dream. Thanks for having me on here. Oh, you're very welcome. You're looking really well. No, oh, cheers, man. Same to you. Yes. So we need to thank Chris, isn't it? Your 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 um, cousin Chris for putting us in touch. Yeah, that's right. And he said, you need to meet my cousin Chris. He's an amazing man, uh, former soldier. Can I call it turned child rescuer? Is that... Yeah, I mean, the terms would probably be around child recovery specialist, something along there. I don't think there's anything set in stone with it. That sounds a bit more professional, doesn't it? Yeah. So how did it how did it all begin? What what what's your military background? Yeah, so um nine years old knew I wanted to join the army, sixteen years old I joined the army, went into the light infantry, second battalion. Um, six years in the army, served in Northern Ireland, Kosovo, Iraq. Um and Sierra Leone operationally. And then outside of that, I was in Falklands, uh, Jordan, Gibraltar, Cyprus. So uh, so I got around in the short period of time that I was in, but I don't think my career actually started until I got out of the army and started contracting. Um, contracting is a completely different ball game. Did you see, so can you just tell us a bit about, you've been in some hot spots then. Did, did you see much uh, action? In the army, not so much. Most of it was um, policing more than anything. Um, obviously, standard operational tours. You're going in, you're doing patrols, making sure that everything's okay in the areas. Sometimes you go into search buildings and stuff like that. There's a little bit out in Iraq, um, a few pop shots here, there, and some operations, but that was about it. Um, so I didn't really get to do what I wanted to do when I was in the army. But when I got out, <laughs> um, I ended up in a situation where I was on the streets uh, for about six months after I got out. Um, and then I ended up randomly just falling into contracting and I got on a plane. I went to Baghdad because um, I was invited over by a company. And just on that first day, I knew for a fact I was about to start doing the job that I wanted to do out there. It was just crazy. Is that sort of protection work, do you call it? Yeah, close protection work primarily. Um, we had some big contracts out there with um, Gulf Regional Division, um, the Corps of Engineers for the US Army, looking after their high rankers. Um, looking after um, civilians, civilian entities that are actually doing small projects out there, and basically just taking them from A to B, and then uh, and then back. But it was during the really rough times, especially down in Baghdad, when Route Iris was classed as the most dangerous road in the world. Um, I've put some stories up on TikTok about it, where I tell a few stories about it of what happened because I learned how to drive on that road and I learned how to change a tire on that road under fire. Um, so it's. It was definitely a it was definitely a very interesting way to go through the basics of life of learning to drive, but um, it, it served its purpose because I, I ended up contracting for about seventeen years um, between Iraq, Afghanistan, West Africa. I even did a bit of maritime um, on the merchant ships and then on the Prince of Abu Dhabi's yacht. Now all of those experiences put together um, and the way that it all worked out. When I started to fall into the child recovery, and it's again, it's another thing that I fell into. Um, that started to become uh, at the forefront of everything. Those experiences took it to a, to, to a completely new level of what existed in the industry at the time. Jay, can I just say, chuck the pen away, mate. 
Because <laughs> one of my worst, worst habits when I'm ever like giving a lecture or anything. I'm the same. I sometimes pick up a toothpick and then I think, oh my god, I'm 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 live to the world holding a toothpick. Why? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, audio is every the audio in this in podcast is more important obviously than the um than the video because we can always put pictures up or whatever but yeah when it's when it's doing that in someone's earphones they're like nope yeah i, I paid a thousand pounds for my phone and my earphones i don't want <laughs> yeah, yeah. to, to this um yes so one of my best mates um he bought it in mosul back in the day one of the uh, in the early stages of the um the security or the private security over there he got uh execute well they had a contact. They were leading their client to, I think it was like a, a gas refinery or something. And um, it was him and another bootneck in the, in the let's say, the lead Land Rover. And I think there were two, two in the rear and um, the, the client's vehicles in the middle. And they got ambushed by, gosh, I've, I've heard different stories. It's something like 15 to 30 pickup trucks. Um and uh, the two Marines, they just pulled off and started laying down cover and fire for their client. And they both both um, got slotted. So it's a weird thing to turn the TV on. And there's your mate's dead body lying in the middle of Mosul with a big crowd around it. And apparently what, what happened next, um, I won't say on camera, but I'm sure people can imagine. Um, there was a lot of, lot of bitterness over there, wasn't there? Yeah, it was terrible. Um, I mean, I went in when the um, Blackwater guys got taken down in um, Fallujah, um, and I started the Fallujah war and everything. So it's, it, it was rough. I mean, those days were definitely rough. And did uh, you did, did you get any hairy situations yourself? Uh, I mean, multiple. <laughs> um, again, I've told a few stories out on TikTok, but um, I mean, there's been times where we've been nearly taken um, out of our vehicles by the Iraqi police. Um, we had multiple ID contacts, multiple um, small arms fire contacts. Um, like I said, I learned how to change a tire on the fire, which was it was one of the most surreal experiences that anyone could ever have because I was 22, just about to turn 23 at the time, and I had some big, burly South African bloke who's in his mid-30s to mid-40s handing me a wheel brace and telling me to get down behind and change the tire, and I hadn't got a clue how to do it. Um, and I'm there going, mm, I was infantry, I can shoot, let me just stand here and I'll give cover and fire. But he had no interest in that. And the way that he taught me, it was like being in a classroom. That's how calm he was. And then obviously there's me um, <laughs> wondering what's going on around me as I'm trying to break, crack the, crack the wheel nuts on this wheel to get this wheel off. It was uh, it was surreal. But I mean, get, um, So you didn't get approached by an F1 team then to be on the crew? <laughs> definitely not but seriously we could definitely pass for it that's <laughs> well, the fastest way to learn i'm telling you it's a different world isn't it because we sort of have these conversations and and i've had civvy mates say to me before chris that story you told about being in the marines like you're bullshitting right <laughs> and i get it i completely get it but what i don't say to them is like if you think that's yeah, that story's hot. You, you, I've got another like thirty stories of, of a combination of drunkenness, stupidity, guns going bang, bombs going bang, mortars going bang, fire bombs, um, you know, petrol bombs, 
fry, frying <laughs> in, as well as some um, tragic things. Lots of Marines just seem to die in, in car accidents and motorbike accidents. And yeah, and we had that as well. Yeah, uh, we had two uh, two lads um, killed surfing on a train in Thailand, and it went went through a tunnel. Um, a mate I was on rear party with at Four Two Commando right, right when I first joined my unit um, was running away from the police on leave. I guess it was drunken, been a fight or something, and um, he jumped off a rooftop and landed on a. a like a fencing pole or something, and yeah. yes, it's uh, it's sort of a different world, isn't it? And um, I think when I podcast a lot of military people, we tend to be quite humble about our experiences because in the military, that that you know they're all kind of on a par with everyone else's. But yeah. to our civilian um, brothers and sisters, they're probably I'm I'm sure for a good man, <laughs> it's a it's a bloody eye opener. Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, the amount of times that I've spoken to people that are just based in the civilian world, never been in the military, and especially when I was living out in Cyprus, um, close friends of mine, they just couldn't believe it. They always said it sounded like a movie, um, and that's why I started going down that route, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yes, child rescue, it, sound, it sounds incredibly admirable, but it is incredibly admirable. I've got quite a lot to ask you about it, because there's a there's a big wave sort of on the internet um, at the moment, all about child freedom and this kind of stuff. The trouble is it's hard to know where the reality stops and the kind of fantasy kick kicks in, but back to, to your story, Jay, how, how did it start? Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of conspiracies out there. Um, just touching on what you just said, there's a lot of conspiracies out there about what is happening and um, on, on the different levels that it's happening. Um, obviously, we used to dealing with facts anyway, so uh, it's usually starting from the smaller scale and then it goes up into a bigger scale. And it's probably as high as it goes does go into organised crime. But outside of that, um, it started when I was out in Afghanistan. Um, I was uh, it was at the end of 2012. I knew a guy. And I still can't remember how I met him. I'm pretty sure it was through the old MSN Messenger. Um, we used to chat quite a lot. He knew that I had quite a vast network from contracting for so long anyway. And um, every time that he was on a case, he'd always get in touch with me and ask me if I had a point of contact in the country that he was working in. Usually I did. So then I'd get somebody in touch with him and then he would be able to use that to actually help him to solve that case. So, um, yeah, he'd take a point of contact. Um did get the case done. I'd never hear anything about him until he actually came around the next time that he was on the case, and that's for another point of contact. Uh, it just so happened at the end of 2012, I got a hearing injury. I lost my hearing, my eardrum uh, basically retracted back inside. Um, and it was a hearing injury that I had for about six months. So the company I was working for sent me home on sick leave, uh, which I didn't have a problem with, paid leave at home. That's fantastic, um, which was a rare occasion back then. So, uh, he was working on a case in Lebanon and asked me to go out to Lebanon to give him fresh eyes on. Naturally, I said yes, because I'm sitting around at home, literally doing nothing but going to the bars and then it's Cyprus lifestyle, you know? So, uh, so I went over, I spent about seven days over there and, and within the first 48 hour period, um, we was in a, a Hezbollah controlled town and we got chased out of town. We, a vehicle tried to block us in, four guys jumped out with AKs and shotguns and then that vehicle chased us out of town 
within the first 48 hours. So I knew straight away that this was probably something that I could probably get into due to the fact of my background in contracting already. Um, that continued for about another five days after that period. I gave him my opinion um, and then I just, I went home expecting him to work out a plan based on my opinion. That was it. I thought it wasn't going to go any further than that. Um, but within about another two weeks, he quit the case. And then his boss came up to me and asked me if I wanted to take on the case. So I sat down with the missus and we discussed it in, in lengthy detail. And the only conclusion that would always come up was who else is actually going to do this if I don't do it? I didn't know nothing about the child recovery industry or anything. I was always, I was still sitting there focused on going back to Afghanistan once I'd actually got my hearing back and I qualified through for the medical process. Um, but the question kept coming around, who else is going to do it if I don't do it? So I did it. And then I, I started working for that company and went over there. Can you give us some idea of the particular case? What, what how does it, what's your kind of yeah brief so basically um it was a lebanese australian father kidnapped his child under the guise of going on holiday to lebanon to see his family when they got there they said they're not coming back um the connections that were there between him and hezbollah were from the town that he grew up in everybody that he knew um were connected to hezbollah and the, and the, the muller of the town gave the protection over him and what he was doing, holding that child in to make sure that nobody could go in and get them out. The mother, she then went over, tried to go through the courts, failed in the courts, called in a private entity, which is a private company, and they went in to assist. Um, and even before I got there, the guy that I'd given had already fast-forwarded six months' worth of court cases into two weeks. So they started to succeed in the courts, but at the same time as that, when she went over there, she ended up being held against her will, in this town and then obviously under Sharia law unable to be able to move anywhere uh, without a male presence with her. And can you explain Hezbollah for our, for our friends at home who might not be familiar with who they are? Yeah for sure so Hezbollah is a terrorist organization that's based out of, out of the Lebanon. Um, they also it's a very complicated situation that's in Lebanon I talk about that quite a bit in my book um, but basically, they're, they're also a part of the government. Um, pretty much what's happening in Afghanistan at the moment with the Taliban um, having elements inside the government as well. Um, but they cause a lot of problems because there's a massive divide between the Muslims and the Christians that are over there. And they also support um, Palestine. Yes. So they're kind of not people that you really want to get caught messing with. Definitely not. They're, they would definitely be on par with ISIS or Al-Qaeda. And so they gave this father a kind of bit of a shield around him, did they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, going into that town, I tried every angle to try to get into that town before we got into the position where this vehicle was trying to block us into this road. Um, quite a funny story on how that happened, um, but um, that goes into the levels of professionalism that was in the industry. Every angle going into that, into that town was covered by armed personnel. It was. didn't matter which, which direction that you came in. Wow. Yeah. What, um, I'm guessing you weren't armed. No, definitely not. Um, I mean, I don't think that they'd ever used weapons in the child recovery industry at that point until uh, until that point, anyway. Um, I've heard many stories prior to uh, to me going into it, um, and I'm talking like two weeks prior to me going in it, um, of, of guys going into dangerous situations and not using weapons. But that's when... It, the entire operation, it all becomes about using your smarts, blending in. You have to blend into the background. Um, you have to be able to uh, 
to go in and use our training, what we've experienced throughout the entire history of being in the military and the contracting industry and working in small teams, to know how to read people and then give them what they need so you can get what you want back. So it's all about smarts, um, brains over brawn, going in with weapons. If we was to go in with a weapon, um, that can cause so many more complications than what it would be not. So it was definitely harrowing. Um, I did end up having a can of CS cast, which was quite humorous in the aspect of all of the operations that I've done before in the private security industry and the military. And I know there's me standing in a hostile situation with a can of CS cast. So that was quite funny. Were you wearing the local dress? No, I, I didn't need to um, in, in the majority of that operation. Um, I probably, looking back a bit, you got to understand that this was my first operation in child recovery. So I didn't really know how it all would go down. I didn't know what I was doing. I was working it out as I was going through it. But that's where my experience came into it because it was no different to planning a military operation. Um, going back and looking back at it, I probably would have, especially when I was down in places like Tripoli and in, the, in, in, in these in these um, highly populated uh, Muslim areas, um, outside of the Christian areas, because that's obviously very Western over there. I probably would have. And so did you get your chance to extract the, the child? It was difficult and it was definitely difficult in planning. Um, we had to find a way to get them out of that town um, without us going into that town and getting them out. We managed to use the courts. It was a very difficult process, but they ended up in a town closer towards the Christian areas, which was catered more towards Western Star, and they was in, ended up in a hotel. Um, it's it's a very long story that goes through. I was being chased. I ran, I ran cars off the roads. I got strip searched, and I stood in front of the Lebanese mafia in my underwear, telling them that I need them to deliver a package for me. Um, I ended up in Cyprus speaking to the Cypriot Mafia, um, and that was just week after week of trying to build up that trust with their relationship, and then they ended up assisting me. We ended up purchasing a boat, um, which we had to rig up completely, and if you can imagine a scene out of MacGyver or the A-Team, that's literally what you're looking at because we had such a tight budget to be able to do it. Um, and we had to put everything on there. And then we had to send this boat across waters for 119 nautical miles. Um, one thing we didn't take into consideration was a steel frame on a fiberglass uh, base. That caused a lot of problems going over the open ocean. Um, and then, obviously, the actual day of the operation, a lot of things went wrong on that day, which delayed us by about 24 hours. So I was literally locked down on the run for 24 hours with Hezbollah and local police looking for me. So it was, it was quite harrowing, and that was definitely probably the longest night of my life. Had you got the child by this point? or, or... Yeah, um, it, we was delayed on the actual pickup of the child by about six hours. Uh, we managed to pick up the mother and the child without anybody knowing. Um, nobody knew for about 10 to 15 minutes, so that was our escape window. But because of the delay, we'd lost our boat for that day because there's, there's a lot of complications with it. I mean, we can go through the details, but all of the details are in the book. I'll give you the basic details because obviously I want everybody to buy the book. <laughs> angel, angel in the shadows angel in the shadows it's called that's right um so the delay was um in the actual um area of operation on the actual h hour was delayed by about five hours our boat when i sent a boat over to lebanon what i wanted them to do there was no connection between me and the guy and i actually got an ex boot neck um an ex marine guy um as a coxman to take the boat over there 
we didn't have any communications apart from one meeting where I gave him GPS coordinates, proper old school methods of leaving a piece of paper down, him picking that piece of paper up. There was no connection between us whatsoever apart from drop phones. So his, his entire operation was to actually check out the sea. Um, we needed to know what boats were out there, where the coast guards were, if there was any patrols. We needed to get the radar operator to the point where he was looking at the radar and then he was just looking going, oh my God, it's him again. And getting so tired of actually telling him what to do that um, he just gave up on looking at him. So we kept moving down that road. Um, he did that, checked out the extraction points and everything. Now, when he was breaking the rules, he got himself put under a curfew. So at night, at three o'clock in the afternoon, he was he was done. He had to go back and he was put under curfew until next morning at seven o'clock in the morning. That caused our second problem after the, the delay when we did the pickup of the child. So uh, then we had to figure out on the cuff, literally on the spot thinking, we need a safe house here and now. And that's when I had to take my fixer's safe house and I kicked his family out of his house, basically. Very politely, of course. And uh, and we locked ourselves down inside his house with no no exit strategy whatsoever, apart from my can of CS gas. That was literally it. Yes. I say, you can't really keep that for yourself, can you? You don't really no. gas yourself with CS gas. <laughs> no, it's crazy, it was. It's going to make you cry your eyes out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And was it a problem with the child's passport, or did they have that? No, so um, the father had the passport, but we extracted out of the country through non-official methods. So we basically had a point on the coast where we actually jumped onto the boat and then we headed out to sea. Using the Cypriot Mafia, um, they met us halfway across the uh, across the Mediterranean on the Cypriot side of international waters. Um, and then basically they pulled the boat in. The coxswain then took the boat as we gained, uh, as we got into international waters. He took the boat back into the marina and says that it hit rough seas. And then we came into Larnaca Marina and we stayed below deck. Within five minutes, we walked off straight into my car and then we drove off. So it went very smoothly from that point, which was very, it's still very nervous because you're just waiting for someone to step on that boat. Like, uh, So the Cypriot Mafia, they've got a, a child minding section, have they? It certainly seems that way. They've definitely, they've definitely, the thing is with the Cypriots in themselves, no matter who you are, your culture will always stand out. And obviously they've got a very family orientated culture. Once they got to learn learn who I was and and that they could trust me in, in the elements of what I was doing, then uh, they 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 was all over it. I'm telling you, massive massively helpful. And they didn't take money for it. They only took the money for the fuel for the boat and um uh, and and their expenses. They never made any profit out of it whatsoever. So it's really good of them, which is strange to say because this is where. The child recovery industry itself it takes you down so many different roads and you deal with so many different elements. Uh, 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 and so many different types of people. But the people that are supposed to be the bad people, you end up in a situation where they're actually helping you to do something very good. It's it's strange. It's a strange world. Hey, it's nice to know the Mafia's still got a good heart, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Lebanese Mafia, that was a completely different story, that was. I mean, I had two guys standing either side of me, and I'm standing in front of this literally. It's like... What you would probably see on a movie, um, imagine what you would see on a movie, and that's what I'm standing in front of. Um, and he was like, obviously trying to push out his power and all that. And there's me freaking pointing. <laughs> I need you to do this for me. <laughs> How much is it going to cost? And the prices were horrendous. I tell you, there was nowhere near what we could afford. Yes, 
I'm getting flashbacks now to getting mugged or mugged stroke kidnapped in Istanbul. Yeah. Uh, which was, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was interesting. Um, so were there any repercussions of this, Jay? Did, did once you, I mean, where, where was the child's family based? Was it UK? Yes, no, so um, the family there, it's a Norwegian family, but um, the mother and the father, were, they met in Australia, they lived in Australia together. Um, from after that extraction, the mother went straight back to Norway. So leaving Cyprus, she went over to Norway, and that's where she's originally from. So she stayed with her family in Norway. Um, because it's classed, no matter, no matter how harrowing and, and how hard the actual operation is, and the fact that we're going up against terrorist organisations doing that, it's still classed as just a normal parental abduction. Um, now, one mistake that a lot of people make is that parental abductions are classed as safe abductions. Even the authorities in the UK, they class them as safe abductions. But a parental abduction, can you never know the mental state um, or the psychological state of the person that's actually kidnapping. And they have gone to the extremes where a parent will actually cause harm to the child or even kill the child and themselves just to get a mental play, like a power play, over the parent that they've left behind. So you've got those problems there straight away. Because they classed it as a parental abduction, they went through the courts, um, and then going through the courts, they made sure in Norway that the child was actually safe in Norway and that the father couldn't come back to Norway with any repercussions. Repercussions for me, um, there was some high possibilities. Um, there were mistakes that I made in my identity, um, being inside the actual operation, because obviously there was we we stayed in the operation inside a hotel, and I had to get into that hotel, which means I had to give them copies of my passport. Luckily for me, the passport wasn't very clear in any way whatsoever. But when I came back from Lebanon, I was in Cyprus, and I'd be driving down the road. Paranoia kicked in to the highest levels I've never had in my entire life. I would be driving down the road, and I'd think I'd be being followed, so I'd start counting surveillance. Um, and anti-surveillance, I would be walking back from a bar at night time and I'd be looking at places I'd do surveillance on my own house. I'd see people that look like um, Lebanese um, citizens in my local bar that I didn't recognise. And then I'd be confronting them um, to find out who they were. So there was a lot of, lot of things that went on with me after that case, um, especially on the mental health side. But... Which um, word... Uh, <laughs> there's a, there's no repercussions as of as of yet, and it's been a long time, so I don't think there will be. And how did this lead on to, to forming Pegasus, or Pegasus Ops? Yeah, so working in the child recovery industry, so I started working for this company in itself. Um, it's a company that was based out of Norway. Um, at first, I thought, yeah, fantastic. I was going case after case after case, and I was having successes. Um, whilst I was in Lebanon, I saw how low the standards were of the operators that they were actually using, and there wasn't many of them, because these are individuals that own companies that sell themselves as larger entities, but they're not. They've usually got one or two operators tops. So I was getting success after success, but then I got to a case where it was a parental abduction again, and be under no illusion that parental abductions are, are not just the things that I deal with. Parental abductions is just an element of what we deal with when it comes to missing children. Um, this case in itself, the child had reached the age where she could decide where she wanted to live, which meant that all court documents involved in that case, they were now non-invoid. You couldn't have a return order from the Hague Convention um, and the Hague Convention on International Child Abduction. That's the prime element for returning a child back home um, within, a Hague, within a country that's actually signed up to the Hague Convention. So 
The child could decide where she wanted to live. I went back and I said, bang, this can't be done for these reasons. And uh, it, I, I then witnessed the owner of the company have a meeting with the father of the child, which was the client, and took 30 grand off him and didn't tell that father that his case couldn't be completed for another few months. So that was my, that was my first introduction to how these companies started to line their own pockets. And then I started to realize that this was not about rescuing children. The way that the companies were run, and that's why the operators and the standards of the industry were so low, it wasn't about the actual heartfelt pulling a child out of a dangerous situation and bringing them home. It was about finances. So I left that company after witnessing that, and um, I started freelance. When I started freelance, I was, obviously, ideas are running through my head. I have to try to figure out how I can move forward with this, because this is definitely something that I'm passionate about. I take on a case, I consider it my own children, and that's what drives me to continue to keep going. I mean, I get myself to the point where I'm getting ill on a case because I'm pushing myself so many hours and I'm not looking after myself because I'm focusing on the case more than anything. So 2015, I came up with a concept of got to find a way to lower these costs, if not make it a free service. That's, that, that was the concept of what I wanted to create. So I started freelancing. And when I started freelancing, I started speaking to other companies that are actually out there. And there's not many of them at all. As I'm speaking to these companies and as cases start to come in from these companies, what I started to realize is that all of these companies are doing exactly the same thing as the first company that I was working for, except they're even worse because they're selling themselves as special forces. They're selling themselves as big time operators that have operated all over the world. As time went on, I, I learned their history. I got a hold of documents as my qualifications and experiences grew. Um, and I realized that they're not, these, these people are nothing like they say they are. They, they, they get to the point where if your children were kidnapped, you'd go to them, they'd tell you everything that you wanted to hear, they'd then charge you anywhere between 50 to 150 grand, then they would bide their time, and the majority of the time they don't even go on the cases. So as, as they're biding their time, they're obviously that money then being utilised for their own lives. Um, you get to the end of that period, and then all of a sudden they're either asking for more money or they're telling you that the case can't be completed because they have no more money. Uh, on a rare occasion, they complete a case um, and successfully. Um, if they successfully complete a case, it's usually overpriced. And um, then the other occasions when they've tried cases, they end up, and you can Google all of this, they end up being arrested in multiple different countries all over the world. But there's no refund policy. So now these families have, have, have been left in financial ruins and they haven't got their children back because they've just been ripped off. So they end up in the worst situation that they could possibly be in because somebody's actually taken advantage of their, their situation that they're in. Um, I, I, I've currently got a client and he's in a situation where he's been ripped off by two companies already. Um, and I'm the third person that he's coming to. So it becomes very difficult to operate in that sort of situation. It just must be awful. It's, I mean, it's terrible. To, to lose your child is the worst possible scenario I think you can face in your frigging life, man. Then to reach out for help and have all your, your life savings stolen, uh, uh, and it's not the money, is it? It's the fact that it's, it's cutting you off from your... It, it cuts you off from everything. It cuts you off from all of your other lifelines as well. Because you got to remember, like, and when it comes to parental abductions, they rely on that money for the courts. Now, I'm not a big... 
I believe that everybody should go to the courts and get the right documents, but my experience tells me that the courts take a very long time. They take all of the money that could possibly be utilised, and the results are rarely in favour of the person that's actually going to court to try to get their child back, which is why child recovery companies like that exist, and which is why they are able to take advantage of that. They'll take as much, if not more, than what the courts would anyway, and uh, it just destroys lives. That's all it does. And then you've got people then searching for the most easiest method that the, the most viable method to be able to get their children back but they don't have the money for it anymore yes and what a what an admirable thing to 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 try and offer this service for free yeah so when, when it comes to the free entities um my, my entire goal with the company is is to technically turn it into what i would class as the people's company um, the current population of the planet is about 7.8 billion. Um, the UK in itself is only 69 million. If I can get 1 million people to donate £2, then that would put us into a situation where we could take on four to six cases every single month. That's four to six children every single month bring, being brought home for the next two to three years. And that's just at that £2 per person. There's no financial pressure on the families. They also... They're in the, in the understanding that they've actually got professionals going out there that are purposely looking for their child and physically on the ground chasing up leads rather than the authorities. And nothing bad about the authorities, in my eyes, because there's a lot of police, for example, that want to do more, but due to the um, jurisdictions that they're under, the bureaucracy and the red tape, they can't go past waiting for a phone call that leads outside of their area of operations. This is why it's important that we're able to do this. So a million people donate £2, we will change numbers 100% without a doubt and be able to provide those cases for free. That's the entire end goal of what we want. That gives us two to three years to raise the same amount of money and that can continue for life. This is a company, as a veteran company, we can pass down through generation to generation of veterans that will be able to continuously do this. We get to the point where the police will actually come to us for their for our advice take when they have a child that goes missing come to us to actually go and find that child just like they do with a search and rescue and um, things like this that's where i want to get to with the company um and it's all about the, it's all about the money no financial pressure on the family family is secure and knowing what's happening they also get briefed just like we are in the military just like we are in the contracting industry we have a different level of standards reports they will always know what's going on and they will be involved in a case then you've got the the actual side of the donators so anyone that actually donates £2, they understand that it's it's only £2. I mean, I go to Starbucks on a regular basis and I'll, I'll spend £8 in Starbucks just for two coffees. Um, and £2, it, 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 in this day and age, it, it's nothing. Have you got a Patreon? No, we haven't got a Patreon as of yet. Um, we're currently using um, the Just Giving app. Um, but the biggest problem that we're finding with it is that they take a percentage of donations um, and we're nowhere near raising the, the amount of donations that we need. Um, when it comes to, to costs of cases, an international case can be anywhere, anywhere between 15 to 25 to 30 grand per month. Um, and that's what we need to weigh up the options of. Obviously, we do everything that we can to cut those costs as low as possible. Having a kitty which is designed for cases, that means that we can utilize every single penny that we need at a low cost, which means that 30 grand could actually take on two to three cases. And then we've got our local cases that we take on, which is like county lines, 
um, uh, kids that have gone missing on county lines. Then we've got online grooming where kids are, are convinced to run away from home to be with their groomers. And we've all experienced all of this over the last few months. Um, those cases, they're anywhere between two and a half to four grand. So we're able to utilize every single penny that we have to. Now, if we've got guys permanently on staff, that all cuts down massive costs immediately. If we've got guys all over the world um, that are ready to and waiting for us to put them onto an operation that costs down massively straight away and we're able to utilize everything and we're able to lower those costs immensely as we grow bigger. So it'd be really big. Yes. Just going back to the Patreon platform, I'd, yeah. I'd really take that seriously. Um, the reason being, it was suggested to me ages ago because contrary to what people believe, and I'm sure you found this yourself, as an author, you kind of don't make any money, not, not unless you're a Tom Clancy or, or a oh, J.K. Rowling or something, and even they, I don't think, probably make, by the time everyone's taken their cut, make as much as people think. Um, so a friend of mine said, Chris, we, we set a Patreon. I said, what is it? He said, well, it's a platform. It's, let's, let's just say it's a bit like Facebook, but for, profes for, for, for professionals. And if people like what you do, they will willingly sponsor you some money every month. So I thought, as we do, really? What? People yeah. have, you, you think, you know, give, give me. But here, here's the thing. I write books. They're all loosely based around um, mental health and, and, you know, supporting people in that area. And someone will read one of my books and they will get so much out of it that they they want to give me some money oh wow um and so and then of course when i started the youtube channel and it kind of not it, it got things a lot more in motion but um again contrary to what people believe i make no money on youtube whatsoever what what little bit we do mate all goes to my um manager because he thoroughly deserves every single penny of it i i should add um but what we do get is we, we've we got a, a Patreon team and also I should include channel uh, members. Thank you, channel members. Um, but putting that to one side, the Patreon is just a group of really lovely people that like what I do and they want to support me. And we offer a $1.99 a month platform. I think it's a, a $4.99 a month and a $9.99 a month. And at each of those levels, you get, we give you a, um, uh, we give you, God, I can't think, of, uh, I think let's call it rewards. Um, and so at the 199 month, you're kept up to date with what we're doing. You know, there's motivational posts going out, photos of me, I don't know, <laughs> fishing or, or, or whatever it might be, know. or running a marathon or, or, or whatever. Um, you can do group live chats via Zoom. Again, it's just a, quite a simple thing to set up and people can come and, you know, meet you personally. I know it's virt virtual, but it's still, I mean, if you said to me um, years back, I don't know, Chris, you could sit down in a chat with Stephen King. This is back when I was writing, really, you know, getting into writing. I'd be yeah. like, can I? And, and, and this is kind of how it works. Um, we're setting up a, uh a talk for later this year so all the people that really get something out of your work can come and shake hands have a photo 
I'll do a speech. We can go and grab a, a drink afterwards or whatever, or, or do some, um, do some fizz the next day. And it's, uh, it, it's kind of a must for what you do. And obviously you're probably already thinking what you can offer people, but just to be, just to have an insight into a case that went well, or what, if the parents are willing, what the child's doing now, um, meet, it could be meet the team, you know, we're having a, a team Zoom next week, come and find out this is so-and-so with special forces, you know, this person's a, a professional medic, what, whatever it might be. But it's all stuff that's relatively um, sort of time doesn't take a lot of time is what I'm I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I get I'm I'm trying to say, but people will get a lot from. So that's, that's definitely um, because I had one um, very generous person just come straight in with a thousand pounds. Wow. Um, had another one when they heard I needed microphones, the podcast 700 pounds and you wouldn't believe this ordinary, but, Companies have that much. Some companies have it to write off, so it's nothing to them. It just put it down for tax or whatever. Other people just have a lot more money than I do. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you can be an unhappy millionaire. And if you get someone like me saying, "Well, you don't have to be unhappy. You just got to tweak a couple of things in your life." Well, you can turn someone's life into paradise. Yeah, absolutely. And if they've got, if money's not an issue for them, then so I'd seriously consider that. Um, and of course it's the way the world's going, isn't it? With social media is people want to be included. People, if you've got a naff job or you're not, you're sitting down watching soap opera, you, you probably want to be more fulfilled than that. And when what you're doing, especially at the moment, because the, there's such a huge focus, whether it's accurate or not, but there is such a huge focus on, on, um, the, child slavery issue um, yeah. you know tra trafficked children is the the correct term um the people rather than just putting stuff on facebook and sharing a youtube they can actually physically get involved so that that would be something um obviously for anybody listening if you'd want to get in touch with jay there'll be details below this youtube video um your website is pegasusops.com. So Pegasus, uh, what do you call that? Hot dash? Hyphen. Hyphen, hyphen dash, or the small one, ops.com. Yeah. It's actually the first thing that comes up, I think, when you type Pegasus into a search engine, which is good, good for you. Um, so, um, yeah, get in touch with Jay, folks. Please, please do. Um Shall we talk? Um, just, I just want to run some things by you because I'm, I'm a lifelong learner, Jay, and I like to listen to everything, research yeah. what I can. But I'm also, obviously, I'm 51 and I've seen a bit of the world, so I don't just buy into every conspiracy that's, that's put. And also, I kind of know when someone's slipping slip the public a mickey, you know, whether it, if something's put out in mainstream media, for example, it's just that to me, there's just that's someone else's agenda yeah, without them. yeah but we are hearing a lot about this child trafficking there's a film that's just coming out uh oh my god is it 
is it out of the shadows or something is that tim ballard's new movie yes yes that's yeah that's right and i put a, a video out not long back just explaining that that this isn't going to stop the issue of of child abuse in in any form because it's systemic it's it's if you have a, a capitalist system that rewards people for how much money they get in their bank and you, you're talking pe- people from unscrupulous backgrounds that don't care about children, well, what are they going to do? They're going to traffic kids, aren't they? Yeah. You, you've met horrible people. I should say most 99.99% of people I've met around the planet have just been absolutely wonderful human beings. But you do get, like when you get mugged by the Turkish mafia, you're seeing some seriously psychopathic uh, individuals who, who they don't care about you. Yeah. They're certainly not going to care who they're trafficking in a, tra- in a transit van across the border or, or whatever. Um, so I just wondered if you can give us your take on, I mean, Donald Trump was supposed to be the, the, the savior that was going to rescue all the children and, People have messaged me saying, Chris, is it true the Navy SEALs are going in and rescuing thousands of children at a time from underground, um, they call them dumb, dumbs, underground bunkers. And I have to sort of break it to them that that's not, you know, the military do what the government tell them to do and the yeah. psychopaths tell the government what to do. So it's, it's I'd say it's an unrealistic, <laughs> it it's a, would be a wonderful scenario if indeed the problem is on the scale as people perceive. Um, but over to you, Jay, what, do, do, do you know anything about this sort of area? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, when, when it comes to the scale itself of what has actually happened, um, I don't think people understand the actual concept of how big this scale is. Um, all around the world, every single year, millions of children disappear. Um, and that's not just including children, it's including young girls, um, early 20s, late teens. Um, and it happens everywhere. Um, just to throw a few statistics out there, um, America itself, on average, about 850,000 children, and this is just children, are reported missing every single year. Out of that, there's about 30,000 which are taken from non-family entities, and there's 30% that is taken from non-family entities. And then there's about 40% which are taken from family or known entities. Okay, That's just America, and that's nearly a million. Okay. Um, UK on average is about 136,000 children. Um, and out of that, there's about a third that are not, not actually found ever. Um, then you've got, obviously, that's a third that's not found. Then, Jay, then, can you just repeat that? that that's incredible. Yeah, 136,000 children reported missing every single year. Now, with that, with that number itself, you've got to understand that that's reports of a child maybe not coming home from school on time or coming back from the yeah. friends on time. So these numbers are actually included in it, but it's around a third um, of that, that children are not found. Um, and then you've got families just sitting there waiting. No one knows. They've gone to the police. No one else does anything. That's it. Police are just waiting for a phone call of any information from the general public. Then on top of that, you've then got another, I don't know, probably about another 20,000 which are parents of abductions, um, known family entities, um, and obviously... The, the non-known entities of where they've disappeared, that goes into sex trafficking, that goes into um, your um, individuals that wish to do harm, paedophiles, things like this. Okay, so, so you've got multiple reasons. Kidnapping ransom is a rarity over in the UK. You're probably going to get that in South America or North Africa um, or the Middle East. But over here, it's not so much. So these are actually people that want to do harm. 
when it comes to to the movie that's coming out with Tim Ballard, or it's just came out. Tim Ballard, he's working in with the um, the Triple Seven Underground Railroad system and all this sort of stuff. It, it's a fantastic concept of what he's doing and what his team is doing is is a, is a great job without a doubt. I've got no 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 problems with what Tim Ballard does. There's a lot of companies that do have problems with, but not his. Um, but it's such a small scale. If he was to rescue, have you ever seen? The scientists talking about population growth using the jar and then filling the jar with ping pong balls and then filling the jar with marbles. And then he goes into the points of filling it with rice and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But you take one drop out and it makes no odds because it continues to grow. That's what's happening with sex trafficking. That's what's happening with all of these organized organizations that are around the world. And there are so many of them. The United Nations have started to recognize what's going on and they start, They tried to set up a program out in um, Kenya, which is to relocate, uh, to, to locate and then to recover children that have been kidnapped from Europe over to Africa and the same in reverse from Africa back to Europe. Um, they tried to take on this contract and give this contract out. Within the first week of this contract being taken on by another company, that company, it's a multi-million dollar contract, took that money and disappeared. Now they don't have a contract. But the point is, it's been recognised by the United Nations. Local councils are currently starting to recognise that something needs to be done about missing children, but they're only thinking about it and putting tests out there to see who is capable of actually locating missing children, primarily that children have gone from care homes, um, to actually recover them back. This is a new concept that's starting to spread and people are starting to think about it more. The budget will never be in it. If the military, if the police, if the governments are not doing anything about rescuing our children, the entities that are, which will be the private entities like myself, like Tim Ballard, um, and then obviously genuine companies that are out there, we are so small because we don't have the funding to be able to do it, that it's literally taking that grain of rice, which is going to be replaced by another million grains within about a few minutes. Um Australia, every 18 minutes a child goes missing. That's Australia, and they've got a very low um, threshold of children going missing. So you can see what it's like around the world. And you, take, you get one child back, there's millions more that have already got, or thousands more that have already gone missing within that minute. Yes, I talk a lot and until we address the, 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 the evil amongst us, which is the money system. It's, yeah. It's the central system of evil control on the planet. We've allowed certain individuals to get away with it for hundreds of years certainly the last 400 years now of this um this hold that the central banking system has on the world perpetual slavery it puts you in from from birth but um i don't want to get too i don't want to sort of so, it, it's not I really sidetracking it's, it, i could definitely get into that and talk about that for a very well, time. <laughs> you know we need to wake up to the fact we're, we're there's a small group of individuals in society control the whole goddamn show and they do it through they do it through the money system so in, if people care about children we need to start putting the focus on the central evil which is this uh, system of usury which is money lending um which was is outlawed in some cultures i think in the muslim culture it's illegal to lend money for for profit but um but uh going back to the all these children going missing it, it to say it's alarming is an understatement when stuff starts to surface um 
I don't even know if I should say, I, I don't believe in saying names when no one's been found guilty, if that makes sense. But yeah. prominent politicians from the 70s who had, let's just say, yachts, yeah. where 11 children went out and only 10 came back. And um, there's even, let's just say, royal families been accused of this yeah. behaviour over there in Canada. Um, it It's fucking alarming, mate, you know? But it's that fine line between what is, you know, what is real and what what is just made up shit on the internet that just gets a bit of a snowball effect and seems yeah. and seems now they're digging up mass graves in Canada from these Roman uh, Catholic institutions uh, orphanages of these um, indigenous children that were taken under the the the, 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 the alleged wings of these organizations and it it, it seemed it, it would appear to be uh, horrific child abuse on just fucking next level yeah. stuff is that what i mean and then uh, uh, sorry if i'm going on a bit but certain uh can we say hollywood celebrities i i got sent a video it, 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 I'm too scared to have it on my computer. It's fucking horrible. Yeah. Not, it, hasn't, it hasn't got anything graphic in folks, nothing like that. But it's about a certain Hollywood celebrity who appeared to think he was getting away with, you know, talking in uh, symbols, can we say, and, and all this sort of stuff. And when you actually track some of these symbols he was putting out through his social media, it actually related to a, an underground website. And I think, you know, you know, folks know what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, it, it, Jesus Christ, is it like there anybody just fucking normal left on the planet? No, there isn't. Ch children in itself, when when they're coming from broken families, when they're, when they're actually um, uh, put into care, for example, um, the, the, they're not classed as human beings anymore. It's 100% guaranteed without a doubt. You know as well as I know, whenever there's a rumour, there's always an element of truth to that rumour. People talk about conspiracies and talk about conspiracy theorists, and I hate using those words together in any way whatsoever. As tin hat wearers, they're all living on this different planet. They're all mentally insane. Um, and don't get, me, don't get me started on it too much because that's the road that we're going to be going down in the future. Um, and they, they fail to see how much research is done into it. They fail to see how much facts have been brought together and the dots have been added and it actually makes sense. Um, it happens. A hundred percent it happens. You have to look, like you said, in the 70s. 70s and 80s, nobody knew where anything was going on. We didn't find out until the 2000s. When we found out what was going on in the 2000s, a lot of people got arrested for it. And yeah, um, a lot of people were already gone. But crimes and punishments, the minimal in comparison to what had actually happened. Would it surprise you and how evil that you know the world to be um, and you just got to look in Iraq and what Saddam and his family were like um, uh, as an individual and you look at these, let's say, higher tier, which they're not, um, the, the upper class of society and those small elements, um, would it be a surprise if they thought that they were gods? Would it be a surprise that they thought they can get away with stuff that they've always got away with through generation to generation because this has been going on a long, long time. It, it doesn't in any way whatsoever. Always remember that there's an element of truth. 
always remember that that rumor started somewhere and those facts they eventually come out to prove what is true and it and it is is there yeah we should also remember um if this seems far-fetched to people remember that 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 the I'm just going to call it the abuse of children was legal or has been legal in many cultures over the years. Yeah. For example, the Spartans, who a lot of people, you know, use use their logo and all this sort of stuff as these fine upstanding warriors, well, they would take the, the young boys under their wing, the young warriors, and and folks know what I'm getting, you know, you use them as their plaything. And then of course, back through history, you had the the people in positions of power they had their slave boys or whatever that um so it's not it's not as though this stuff hasn't gone on it just seems now that that this stuff is still going on you have to look at afghanistan modern day thursday nights it's renowned it's been seen we've witnessed it it happens with the chai boys it's a constant thing yeah this is happening in modern day in addition I, i want to cover this at some point but there's um uh so what's the face? I can't. Uh, Jelaine Maxwell, right? Apparently, was pushing at the, some big summit. I don't know, like a UN gathering or, or something. For this, um, for some change in maritime law, um, where there was no longer law at sea. It, it, I'm, I'm, folks, I'm just paraphrasing my scrambled thoughts here because I hear so much stuff every day and, and, and I don't want to keep talking slowly. But so basically um, trying to push for this uh, uh, lawlessness on the ocean. So it was, um, uh, but at the same time, you've got these rich billionaires investing in submarines, and there's also allegedly underground bases and all and, and, and this kind of stuff. And this is where I, I I just sorry for anyone listening who knows way more than this than me. I apologize if I'm not not doing the subject justice. But it it just seemed to be that these elites were pushing for a kind of area, i.e. offshore, where there was no freaking law, where they could have these these uh, submarines. And one of them came into um, came into Plymouth the other day. It's very weird when you see them. They're, they're like a yacht, but they sit just below the surface. You know, you can just see a bit of the, the, the superstructure just on top of the water. And they're, they're billionaire submarines now. And this is a, a, a growing thing. And then, of course, when you think of Epstein and what um, what what he was up to, then it it's like I say, you just think, bloody hell, what is going on? Um, and I mean... If you send 135,000 people, children reported missing in the UK, and I get it that some have just, you know, maybe gone to a friend's house and and they come back safely away, but but a third don't. Yeah. That is seriously covered up, isn't it? If your average British person knew that 30,000 kids are going missing every year. You'll be able to see it. I'm not joking. Every single day I get tagged in something. Uh, someone's gone missing usually a child um, sometimes um, a veteran but majority of the time child every day I'm getting tagged into these situations we can't take on the cases because we don't have the money the parents and the families don't have the money and it breaks my heart every single time that I get one of these and I have to sit back and just leave it um, we do take on obviously as many as that we can but then you go on to if you go on to the um, Interpol website and you look at Amber notices 
for missing children. And uh, the list is endless. Amber notices for missing children. I can guarantee you, you're going to be shocked by how many you see. And it's broken down into countries. You just look at the different countries and you'll be able to see how many people. Don't forget, that's only a small percentage of children that get onto those notices. That's not every child. It's such a small percentage that get onto there. But they keep popping up every day. Gosh. No one's looking for them. That's what that's what the world doesn't understand. I've brought it up so many times. I use social media massively as much as possible. I've never been really successful on Facebook. Instagram is starting to grow, and Instagram's only primarily growing due to the fact I use TikTok, and TikTok has been my most successful application that I can use for social media because I can actually reach out and speak to the people about it. Um, it's it's everywhere. I'm telling you, it's it's just crazy. Yes, and it people are on there all the time sending me stuff. And the way I see it is our political infrastructure is made up of a lot of people that have come up through, I'm just giving one example here, but the, the public school system, or, or for American friends, if you say it, call it something different, basic private schooling, yeah, boarding school, where a lot of boys get together at a young age, you know, the age where you possibly should be out discovering girls or whatever it is. So your first sexual experience is likely from an older lad when you're quite young and of course this has a a massive effect on people's um psyche and then they come up through power and of course they're then honed in on as being blackmailable because if you carry the you know this thing into your adulthood and and clearly a, a lot of these mps do um or if if what I've read is anything to be believed. You you can see that we've got this dark, twisted infrastructure of blackmailable MPs. Apparently, was is it called the the Ho de la Garonne? The um, it was the children's home on one of one of the British islands. Was it Jer- Jer- Jersey? Apologies if I've got this wrong, folks. Um, but but where allegedly they found child remains. Um, well, I heard back along. The MI6, it went on so long that MI6 had cameras in these in, in these rooms where the privilege, I, I, I call them elite just for people know what, obviously they're not the, the de- depraved elite. Yeah. But they were being going over there on their yachts, abusing these kids, and, and MI6 were getting it all on camera to then use, uh, you know, to supply the shadow government with their their um, blackmail information. And again, I've mentioned this a lot, but, you know, certain prime minister allegedly uh, arrested twice, I believe it was, for for exposing himself in public toilets, um, got away of it by giving the police his middle name. Yeah. And if I was to say kind of then shepherded, the country quite with quite a lot of force into 20 years of, of vicious conflict abroad. You you can see how these things and, and that's covered. I mean, what I'm saying, I bet there's people listening. Oh, Chris, what are you talking about? Well, work, work it out folks, <laughs> you know, cause I've had to. There's just so much so that's involved. It's difficult to get it all together. It is all involved. I mean, you have to look at what's going on with the George Guidestones and what's happening in modern times. You have to look at um, what is classed as the new world order. Um, that there is so much that you can connect to each other and you can see it happening all around you if you just open your eyes to it. A hundred percent. It is. And it is, it's it's happening all around you. People quite often are blinded by 
um, the actual lies that they see because they're seeing those lies of the truth. The government has got to the point, and and these entities, because it's not the government as such, um, of pushing conditioning motions out towards people. Um, and it can be a blatant lie, which is obvious straight away, bang, that is a lie, you're lying to me. But it's classed as the truth because it's seen in the normal forms of what people see, all of the information that they receive, and that's how they that's how they educate themselves in life. It's a, it's an unfortunate situation when you get somebody screaming um, at somebody else for having a different opinion, and then getting to the point where they're raging and they they're, they're wanting to push towards violence because they're in a different opinion instead of having a debate, and then talking to that person about and then edu- educating yourself on their opinion in comparison to your opinion. When you've lost that art, society's in a bad place. Yeah. Society's in a bad place anyway, because I consider myself an enlightened person, Jay, right? So I try not to operate out my ego, although we all we all have an ego, let's face it. Yeah. Um, I try to eat as best I can. I have my my weaknesses and, and I recognize them and I try and work on them every, every day. Sometimes I'm some days it go swimmingly other days i take a step step backwards um i love all people simply because i think we're all a product of we're all the universe essentially we're people we've been kidded to believe we're identity second because yeah. it makes it so easy for the ruling uh, again i use the term the rule let's call them the ruling psychopaths it makes yeah. it so easy to control us if i think i'm chris and i'm cool and you're Jay, and you're doing some good. It's all all division. But to get to this position of life, I've, I've had to work really hard, mate. You know, I've had to learn. I've had to look myself in a mirror. I've, yeah. I, I've, I, I have to genuinely develop love and empathy for all other human beings on this planet. Um, I've had to get over my vices, or as <laughs> best I can. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. None of our MPs have ever done any of that shit. No. Fat, greedy, sorry, I shouldn't use the word fat, but I I use it as in fat cats. They're greedy, um, they're slovenly, they they dine out on liquid lunches that they they expect us to pay for. They cheat two houses or whatever it is. Look at the Prime Minister. He's a hideous state of health. There's absolutely no way that man can be in the what what I refer to as the Kundalini state, which is, um, and I'm not not slagging him off here, folks. I'm I'm using this as an example that we pick the most, we pick depraved people to lead us, and we fall for it every time there's a general election. We go back like, yeah. like sheep and just vote again for these people that have got very dodgy pasts. Um, not not all of them, of course, but. We, I hate to sound negative, Jay, but we're kind of on a bit of a hiding to bloody nothing. So long as we keep heading forward and not facing up to the yeah. fact that we don't, we haven't got enlightened individuals leading the world forward. Instead, we've got stupid psychopaths who control us with idiotic notions of going into bloody space to take, you know, to, so they can get more dollars in their uh, their bank accounts. Um, it doesn't matter who, who's elected in, it's always the same agenda, no matter what. I, I, it doesn't lie at the government, it lies above the government. Do you remember when you were a kid, you always believed that the, 
prime minister or president of a country would be like the most cleverest person on the planet. You're like, oh, that's someone that I want to be. I want to be the president. I want to be the prime minister, whatever. And then you grow up and then you realize the state that we're actually in with the people that we've got in power. It's it's the most scariest thing on the entire planet to even look at. It really is. But when you start to realize that it doesn't matter because they need somebody in that mentality to actually go along with the agenda of what is actually really happening. That's when you start to realize it's way bigger than that. And there's dark entities involved in every single thing. Without a doubt there is. I mean, why... Why did we go to war? This is this is one question that I've asked a million times on my TikTok channel. Why did we go to war? Why did we go to Iraq? Why did we go to Afghanistan? And I've heard the regurgitated BS that's been pushed out there continuously over and over and over again. But it's it's not those reasons in any way whatsoever. I spent a lot of time in those countries, Afghanistan and Iraq, and I can see what I believe it to be and why, why we went there, which is a bigger agenda of what actually exists and it also comes into play with um, 9-11. But the agenda of what they're pushing out, as in the regurgitated BS, it's it's nowhere near them. It's, yeah. it's not about oil. It's not about gas. It's not about the Americans. The Americans don't have the oil fields in Iraq. It's the Russians and the Chinese that have them now. So, um, well, it's about this Belt and Road Initiative, is it not? This this super highway between the East and, and, and the West uh, hence why I think we're seeing a lot of action now in East Africa, which is, mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's to secure the Suez Canal. Um, and it's it's a manifestation of George Orwell's 1984. It's yeah. having, having these super states played off against each other when in reality they're all controlled by this, um, you know, this, this twisted minority. Yeah. Who, who only care about power um, and haven't haven't got in touch with their, their spiritual selves, or if they did, they've rejected it. Um, the thing is, not everybody is supposed to wake up to it, and that, that, that's the problematic thing, is that not everybody is. Some people are too far gone, some people choose not to, some people choose to stay in the levels that they're at because they're happy with it. So it, it, it's a constant battle if, you, if you're ever going to try to wake anybody up, and I've seen people try it time and time, and they get so frustrated with it. Because they're not listened to, and then they're the ones that I look down upon. I, I, I've experienced it in real life. When I was in Kajaki, for example, in 2016, I was the most experienced operator that's down there. The rest of the guys were quite new to the industry. Um, no one had served more than six years in the industry, apart from one other who I'd known from a long time anyway. And it was the guys that were new to the industry that were actually looking at me when I'm talking to them because I've seen the changes within the industry from the security industry to the risk management industry and all this sort of stuff and the laws and the rules and why we do things and why we don't do things. And then obviously the International Code of Conduct. And they're looking at me as if I'm the one that's trying to cause problems by saying, you can't do that because it's literally against everything that we're supposed to be be doing. (laughs) Um, And it it comes against. Now, this is in a real life situation of me being more experienced than them and them making me look like I'm the idiot. That's literally what's happening when it comes to people bringing out the truth of what's actually happening and then being shunned for actually bringing out that truth. Um, And it it will be a continuous thing for a period of time anyway until uh, until it comes to head which I believe might be coming very soon yes I just want to chuck out some positive um, answers to the questions people might be thinking right now Jay and, and that is you know what it, you can feel quite helpless but yeah, I, I believe at the very epicentre of all this is the spiritual battle within ourselves 
I, I, I think a lot of people are so outraged about the child trafficking stuff and they're on the net every day about da da da. But I think a lot of that comes from the unhappiness they're sensing in their own lives. And it, and it just gives a, a, an avenue for projecting these feelings of, of unhappiness and help, helplessness. I'd say work on yourself, folks. Learn, ultimate love for yourself is number one. Ultimate acceptance that you are a beautiful product of this, this universe. You don't need, let's say, procedures. You were born perfect. Yeah. You don't need um, to go and vote for corrupt leaders that literally hate you. They despise you. They right. So I, I, I'd say turn off main if you love yourself and you love your family, turn off mainstream media. It's toxic poison. Yeah. And anything you see on your screen is only there for a reason. It's to keep you living in uneducated left brain fear so that you're just obedient mind slaves. Um, be nice. Say hello to people. Ch- change your diet. Try to get the alkaline diet so you don't get sick. If you if you never get sick like I don't, then you're not really going to be in fear at the moment, are, are, are you? I'm not saying it works for everybody, although I, I have my own view on that. I'm not a, a medical practitioner, so I can't say. Um, but there's an awful lot you can do closer to home um, if you want to change the situation for a for all children, um, for the better. If you've been affected by anything that Jay and I have said today, uh, again, remember, you are loved unconditionally by the universe, by guys like us. Certainly all, all my team, we, we, uh, we feel the same. Sometimes it's bad experiences like they're put on, put on us by adults. Just remember, it's not personal against you. These were people that uh, haven't had the privilege of, of being well people in their lives. And it helps to see it for what it is. But it's important to reach out, seek help. Don't struggle on your own. If you're hitting the bottle, the drugs, whatever it is, uh, you know, many of us have been there. there is, it's not just that there's light at the end of the tunnel. It's that when you step out, that is fucking brilliant. And you'll be... Uh, not just 10 times a happier person than you are now, but you'll be 10 times better in society because you, 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 you will know empathy. You'll know that other, you know, life isn't always easy um, for everybody. Jay, I'm going to wrap there because I want as many people to watch this as possible and I don't want it to go on, on, on too long. So we'll put your details below. Um, your book, uh, Angel in the Shadows. Angel in the Shadows, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Folks, get involved. Go and grab a copy of that and leave a nice review if you can on, on the platforms like, like Amazon. Um, let's chat again, mate, can we? Because this is fascinating. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's also, I have to say, it's nice to meet awake veterans. Yeah. And I get that pleasure quite a lot now. Um, I think... We have you a unique. We have a unique skill set, and we're going to hunt you down and bloody use it. <laughs> That's what they handed to me on their first news article. <laughs> Compared me to the real life taken. Uh, that's what also I get now. Seriously. But we do have, you know, we do have uh, skills, and I'm not just talking yeah. physical. I'm talking mental, and we can be a force um, for extreme good. But you kind of got to ditch the 
following the mainstream. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You know, and, you know, you're not in the military now. It's about the future of the, the planet and doing doing the right thing. So, yeah. Jay, I'm going to love you and leave you, brother. Massive thank you for what you're doing. Is it? Was there anything you we need to add that I might have overlooked? No, I think uh, I think we've got pretty much everything. Um, all I, I can say really is thanks for having me on. Thanks for, for letting me get my story out there. Oh, we'll come back, come back on whenever, whenever you, you know, whenever it can help you. Oh, definitely. And certainly come and give us some updates. And, yeah, we'll uh, Massive thanks. No, I appreciate it, man. Friends at home, big love to you all, you legends. If you could like and subscribe and just share this video and then, you know, you, you are helping to save children too. Thank you. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.